Welcome back to the Head, Heart, and Boots podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Brandon. Join us as we wrestle with what it takes to transform ourselves and the businesses we lead. Oh, what'd you think? I don't know. It's kind of serious. Should we laugh? (laughs) (laughs) Amigo, how are you, sir? I've been better. Yeah, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way. You look like shit. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's so sad, dude, is that literally when you told me you weren't feeling well, (laughs) the first thing that came to my mind was, if we do a podcast today, I got to tell him he looks like crap. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've probably had maybe 100 calories combined for the last 36 hours. So yeah, I emptied my system yesterday and I have not quite (laughs) re... (laughs) Uh, refilled the tank, so I've been uh, I've been sipping on beef bone broth and uh, tea. When you walked up the stairs to our office this morning, and you were winded. There's four stairs. <laughs> <laughs> like we're not talking about multiple flights here, dude. There's seven stairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you did a couple of them twice, <laughs> I was like oh shoot, I got six uh-huh. more stairs to go. Oh my gosh, dude! Uh, I thought I was gonna have to embrace you when you walked into the office just so you didn't pass out. So. Dude, I'll tell you something I'm excited about this weekend is I have to go see that new, the new Top Gun movie. Man. Oh my gosh. Are you buying aviators specifically for it? You know, because I'm tempted. A lot I'm of people don't. I, coincidentally, I did buy aviators recently. Warby Parker, shout out. Hey, baby. No, I mean, like one of my first dreams as a kid was I want to be a fighter pilot. Really? I don't You're recall. Too tall. Well, my babysitter was in the Air Force and her husband was a pilot. Or her boyfriend, I guess, at the time was a pilot anyway. So I, I was actually the ring bearer at their wedding up at Edwards Air Force Base, I think. Edwards, right? Yeah. Anyhow, I don't know if that was the thing that spurred it or if it was Top Gun. Like later on, I was what, 12 or so? Yeah. It's a long time Top ago. Top Gun did it for me, man. I'm yeah. not going to lie about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I am I am absolutely stoked. I actually had a close buddy that went and saw it already and he sent me a selfie of him in the theater with his aviators on. So he was in full, full go mode. So yeah, I'm jazzed. And I'm I'm inspired, man. Tom Cruise. Boy, if I could look like some semblance of that <laughs> when I'm sixty years old. It's the witch magic, man. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's his uh, he's a good spokesperson for the Scientology crowd. Boy, he's tell a you good, what. Yeah, good spokesperson for anything. Some serious anti-aging. Abs and hair. It's unbelievable. Okay, so last BS topic before we get into something of substance. You okay. know what we're doing tonight? And I'm really stinking excited about it. The, the kids are coming home and we're having a Friday night jam sesh, season four, Stranger Things. We're, we are going to go into full binge mode, just us in the, in the fam damnly. So I'm kind of stoked. I've, I've not fallen into that Stranger Things trap, but you tell me it's it's worthwhile. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like uh, if you're a sci-fi fan, it's kind of one of those things. Like once you get into it, you're going to have a tough time not not staying through to the end. I feel like I'm not. You're not a big sci-fi. I'm not a sci-fi guy. Yeah, I feel like I should be because a lot of a lot of my friends are. I know it's like a thing. Well, and I feel like if you're a human. You should be into sci-fi. And if you're not, <laughs> then there's a, there's a clear <laughs> chance that there's wrong something wrong with you. But that's just my... That's hilarious. Yeah. I know my daughter got into it and whatever. Yeah. yeah well, who knows? <laughs> All right, my friend. What are we uh, ping-ponging today? Well, a lot's been on my mind. You brought up a topic that I think might be a good bounce-off point. What was that thing you were talking about earlier? <laughs> well, there's a couple things. I think a bounce-back point is probably best stated. Let's be totally transparent about something. We got some news today that we weren't real excited to get. Yeah. Right? We took a uh, a bit of an ego blow today. Something didn't go through that we were 
anticipating would. And it definitely sucked some wind out of the old sails. And so part of me wanted to wrap a little bit on, I guess, this the recovery of from a blow to the pride or, you know, mm. uh, what feels like a, a pretty significant roadblock in our You path. decided to go there. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank did, you. Thanks for just, you know, throwing it out there and sucking me into uh, <laughs> I don't know I know we were publicly gonna process that. <laughs> we but. can't rewind it now, so you're gonna have to think out loud with mm. me, I think. Yeah. You know, I I think I think when you're starting a company, every setback, no matter how well things are going, feels like a really big deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's emotional, right? Yeah. When you're starting a company, you, you don't have the giant war chest of money you know, that you've accumulated yet. You've got progress. You've got traction. You have friends. You have cash flow. But boy, when you, when you get a setback, it just it feels like it feels so heavy mm-hmm. in the beginning. Yeah. And I think... You know, when you and I look back over our career together, we've had all kind. Of, we we had a nickname for it. We called it the trough of sorrow. <laughs> yeah, or it's like <laughs> you just get your ass whooped, and then you're. <laughs> I mean, particularly it was particularly uh, relevant when we were operating in the field, right? I mean, you, you would just have a series of things happen. It's like right when 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 something was going wrong, it was like the universe would pile on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and it was just really difficult. We called it the trough of sorrow, right? Because whether you look to the right or to the left, it's just ominous, right? It's just like you're in the bottom of the Grand Canyon and it's just barriers to the right and the left. Yeah. And then and then this long, long <laughs> path in front of you, right, to get out of the canyon. Yeah. And at any time a flash flood could come on top of that, you know, <laughs> and it's like but but you know what's interesting though is when we got that news. Flash uh, that was not fun this morning. There was a a bit of a relief because I think sometimes when we're stretching to reach or grab hold of something that wasn't ever quite right, but when you're a new business, it's like every opportunity is just this flashing neon sign of opportunity. I think sometimes all you can see are the attractive bits of this thing in front of you, and so when it falls through, you're like, oh man, you know the financial aspect of it. In what whatever whatever it is, yeah, you know. Well, and the reality of it is, with all this stuff, it's all context, right? I mean, I think we were talking about this a little bit with with the blue collar boys, and and just remembering the perspective that comes with the the context that each decision or each setback or each opportunity is sitting in. I when I got that call this morning, we had that call this morning. Actually, one of the first things I did was I was I was processing a, a conversation that we had with a friend in the industry. Last week, I think it was, or maybe we're pushing two weeks, and they were just kind of talking about some of these really heavy experiences that they were having with their business. And of course, we don't, we don't unpack the personal parts of that, but just this reality of this uh, convergence, I think, of professional relationships and personal relationships as they relate to our businesses and just listening to this individual talk themselves through and us about, you know, hey, this is heavy. It's hard. It's been actually a hard year. It ain't going to kill me, but it certainly is impactful and certainly has weight to it. And so again, I'm thinking about this individual in the year that they've experienced. And I'm thinking about this one minor setback that we're, you know, that we're facing currently. And it's like, Oh man, you got to keep that in perspective because it's easy for me to get really caught up in my situation, my thing, 
and you know do a little bit of uh, spinning out, if you will, on it or whatever the case may be. And it's just like, man, there was something that triggered right away that made me just go, man, yeah. But there's been some real gnarly stuff that had happened to our fellow entrepreneurs and business owners this oh, year. Yeah, it's so true. You know, and, and just, I think, and I think too, when you step back and you think from a position of gratitude, that we, you and I, have just been so lucky. Oh yeah. Yeah, real fortunate. Relationally, we've just been very blessed and it's been a lot to both of us for certain. You know, I think this particular setback or, or that deal not going through, blah, blah, blah. I think everybody's listening can relate. It's like we all, we've all had a deal not go through, sure. right? Yeah. It's like, I think something that makes it feel heavier is when, when there's a relational, you know, part to it. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways it's the relational part, like, cause when we're, when we're working on a deal and, and just put whatever deal <laughs> you have in front of you into it, you're putting a part of yourself out there, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I think it's the personal part of like when a deal doesn't happen or doesn't go through now or it, you know, shifts gears or whatever. It's just the personal, the relationships and stuff yeah. are what hurt the most. It's not the money or the, you know, that, that kind of stuff. It's actually kind of interesting that you say that. You know, I think it comes back to, some of the reasons that like in our professional environments, we struggle with some of this woo-woo language is it's not necessarily that it feels fluffy all the time. Like we, you know, anytime we talk about like love or using kind of these more emotionally charged references when we're talking about our staff or our relationship as leaders to our downline. And one of the things that you and I have promoted over the years and certainly did it in the different leadership roles that we've had and continue to develop was really trying to... Well, it's like with Clint Pulver, right? Really talking about this connectivity in relationship with accountability and how much that means to us and how important we believe that is. Anyways, where I'm going with this is I think sometimes what we see is a real struggle to commit to that from leaders because I think there is almost something in them, whether it be subconscious or conscious, where they're going, it's like, yeah, you know what? I've tried that before. And it felt like shit when it didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Oh. And the easier response to that then is, I'm just going to callous this wound over. And from here on out, I'm not going to do that oh, again. Dude. Right? Oof. And so there's part of me right now, I think that... This is really going out there, I think. But part of me responds to situations like this. Even though I've led in this kind of highly relational way most of my career... It doesn't take away from when it doesn't go the way I want. My initial response is almost always, fuck that. I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. And I don't know if it's super applicable to this, this one situation, but I think that knee jerk re- response is pretty common. So I think part of me right now is going, okay, I had that knee jerk response of, okay, guard up, not going to do that again. And then the reality of it is, man, is that having this kind of relationship or deep relationships with the people that we want to do business with and and for the folks that we do business with, it's just for me, it's the right way to do it. So there's a reality. I might be kind of pissed right now, but I'm going to go back to having that kind of, you know, role. I, I, I just think it's, it's who you and I are is, and I think to me, it's so much easier to do business with kind of an open, open kimono, so to speak. It's like, what you see is what you get. Yeah. You and I don't hide things. And, and I think the, the, risk, the risk in that oh, right, yeah. Is, yeah. is that it feels more personal. Yeah. Because it is personal. Yeah. And business is personal. Business is about people, right? And, and yeah, but boy, I think that's a really common reaction or response is, man, I put myself out there and look, 
you know, look what happened. Look how my employee took advantage of that or that business partner or that vendor or what, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it's like whenever we decide to put ourselves out there or, or allow ourselves to become emotionally involved, you know, with others, yeah. there's the potential for it to hurt, you know? And, um, and I think that's a little bit of what you and I are feeling just because we'd put a lot of ourselves into this one particular relationship. And I think there's something about just sitting in that. And like, it's okay that I'm a little bit sad that that didn't pan out the way I wanted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it's all right that that's a bummer because I put a lot of myself into that and so did you. Yeah. And at the same time, it could have potentially turned out totally different. Like we weren't stupid for putting ourselves out there. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, okay, we didn't get the outcome that we had sort of envisioned or planned for. But I think we always have a choice (laughs) after getting burned. Yeah. Am I going to never do that thing again? Or am I just going to be more conscious and aware going into the next time while still choosing to live in that way? I don't know. I just think whenever we do business in a personal manner where we really take the relationships into account, there's going to be room for yeah. disappointment, hurt, and all that stuff. You know, it's interesting. It kind of reminds me a little bit, you know, not that long ago we had Dan Pink on the show and we just tiptoed, I think, really surfacey into this whole idea of regret and how to use that in a more positive way. I think actually we got to do a little piece and CNR with that. But it actually reminds me a lot of this kind of experience and these kinds of scenarios. And I think it's really an applicable tool. And that is, is that part of what we suffer from when a situation doesn't go the way we want or a deal fails or a merger or some kind of partnership doesn't go in the direction that we want, I think part of what you're wrestling with is you're mourning a version of something that you had created in your head that actually had never come to fruition yet anyways. Oh. And so there's this element of, I think, I know for me personally, I'm looking, I had all these visions of, okay, it's going to go to this. And then from this position, we'll be able to develop that into this thing. And from there, we can carry it on to these multiple new phases. Because that's just kind of how I'm wired anyways. Like I'm, I'm already three years in this relationship down the road. Right. And, and I think it's interesting because I've caught myself, I think at times when deals like this don't go through, you're mourning something that actually you have no idea. Yeah. If it was really going to be that or look anything remotely near what you had created this story, right? Well, which is, which is, <laughs> I mean, in, in some ways, it's kind of funny, like the timing of all this, because literally just moments after or just before this, we were on a phone conversation with a, an investor friend connection of us that they had a deal fall through. And, yeah. and we aren't talking about, we're talking about a whole different scale of deal, totally. right? Like, yeah. Tens of millions of dollars, and it, and it they had to walk away from it. It's like okay, and what was their response? Well, on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the data didn't support the decision. <laughs> data didn't support it, so we moved on. Right? Yeah. No, I think it is true, though. I mean, the reality of it is, we're all going to be facing scenarios with our businesses. A lot of it's going to look very internal, right? It's going to look like those relationships with our employees. It's going to look like when we invested in a leadership role or a leadership uh, person on our team, or you know, we're we're a salesperson and we're looking for that next like multi-site MSA agreement or something along those lines and you work and you work and you work towards something and you feel like you've invested in giving it every level of effort that it required and needed. Mm -hmm. And it just ultimately ends up netting a zero, which is going to happen. I mean, that's business 101. And so we're all going to be faced with these kinds of situations. And so I think just trying to deliver some tools that help us manage through that better. Mm-hmm. And, and if I had to kind of like isolate one, I think we need to do ourselves a service and really say, 
okay, what am I mourning right now? Is it a story or is it actual data supported things? Mm. And if it's the story, maybe just muttering that almost out loud to yourself of, you know what, I'm technically bummed about something that never even came to fruition or we don't even know what it was going to actually look like in the first place. And is there a little bit of uh, weight release when we're just consciously activating, right? Instead yeah. of just being sucked into the bummer or you know the whatever anger, frustration, whatever the case may Dude, be. That's a really good point, man. We get so far out ahead of ourselves, and we create. Yeah. We end up creating pain for ourselves that's because right. we become so attached to the outcome. Yep. that we're seeking before yeah. it's ever really in motion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. The story's in our head, dude. Yeah. It is. It, like for me, I, I realize more and more as time goes by. And, and of course, you know, Brene Brown introduced that idea to us. And Eckhart Tolle, I think, talks to a great degree about this in A New Earth, you know, just how 90 plus percent of the thoughts we have in our head are repetitive and non useful, right? At any given time, our mind is using us rather than us actually using our head. We create these stories in our head that ultimately, like most of the time, create suffering for us. I mean, I realize this is all kind of new agey, but I, I think I think it's very applicable, and I find it it all very uh, practical. I guess you know, it's this idea of being present in the moment. So often, our ego, what our ego does is our ego pulls us into the future, what you should be, where you should be going, what you should achieve, and our our ego also loves to look to the past, yeah, to our past successes yeah. and our failures, and the ego loves to be defined by what we've done or not done. And what we're going to do in the future. While at the very same time, it just means we're not actually in the moment. We're not actually bringing our full self to what is on my agenda today. Right? I have my meeting with my general manager at 9 o'clock. And I've, my head is a thousand miles away into what should be or what could have been or whatever else. And I'm going to roll into that meeting and I'm not going to be present to the person the person that I'm engaging with. I mean, it's like, how often am I lost in my thoughts? Yeah. And my thoughts are just totally taking me off course. Yep. You know? Yeah. Our mind is so good at filling in the gaps. What does this mean? Well, I don't know what it means. <laughs> For all I know, it means, you know, one door closes, another one opens, right? I'll yeah. take that. <laughs> yeah. Right? I've certainly experienced that in my life many, many times. I know you have. And it's like, but my mind wants to conceive just all manner of, of details about what this change in that relationship means or doesn't mean or what, it's, what, what we gave up by walking away from that deal, you know, or whatever. But meanwhile, we're here. <laughs> yeah. We're, <laughs> there's we're still here. the deals closing. I still, I still got three kids at home. <laughs> My wife's still probably going to text me and say, Hey, can you do dinner tonight? You know, and we're still going to go see Top Gun this weekend probably. And, and our business will move forward. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is interesting. I, I think you're right. I think there's just this level of kind of combination. We take all these things, I think, super personally. I know I do. I'm just kind of wired that way anyways. Yeah. I've never been as good of kind of, shul- or uh, I guess, letting it roll off my back as, as a lot of people. And it's come in really handy. And yeah. it's been a tool and a resource that I've used very effectively over the years. And, and there's certainly times where it's cut me instead of being a benefit. But I think that's just part of the course. You know, as I continue to just kind of come down from that phone call this morning, over and over and over and over in my life, dude, when I've had something I wanted and it didn't work out, I almost always, within minutes or months, I can see why that was better for me that I didn't get that thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I haven't had many major letdowns in my life that in hindsight weren't necessary in some way. 
Yeah, this is interesting. And, yeah. and, and sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's in the form of later on, I'm glad I'm not married to that person, that customer or that employee or business partner you know, that I was so jazzed about and had all the reasons to be excited and looking forward to that thing. And later, you know, it's like things come to the surface or whatever, where you realize, you know what, that might not have been the best employee for me to hire, you know, yeah. now, because it, maybe you get word of how they conducted themselves at the next company they went to work with. And you're like, Oh, okay. I guess, guess I dodged that bullet. We've all yeah. had that experience. Yeah. But likewise, you know, when you get that sale that fell through and it's like later you discover God, it would have been a really difficult customer, you know, that would have taken a lot out of me to be in that relationship. Yeah. I think all of us too can think about our dating history and everything else where it just seemed like, oh, so weighty. And then you realize, you know what? It just, it wasn't quite right Yeah. in hindsight. I was caught up. I was caught up in the moment. I was caught up in, in the conversation. I was caught up in what the shiny opportunity. Yeah, I think so much too is like, it's an iteration. Like yeah. I, I think sometimes we we feel like certain exchanges or our opportunities are all or nothing. Yeah. And instead of a, it's just not right right now. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't the right lift. That wasn't the right, you know, scenario at this moment in time. Yeah. And kind of going back to what you're saying is you're right. Like nine times out of 10, I think I can look backwards and see how things actually ultimately worked out for the best. You know, not taking away from training or proactivity or strategic thinking or any of those things. I'm not saying you just kind of go with the vibe. But it is true that most of the time when you look backwards, it was like either there was a great lesson from it that gave me tools and resources that I didn't have previously. Mm. It wasn't the right iteration or version of something that ultimately Mm. it sends you back to the drawing board, makes you do some more critical thinking that makes you iterate the next thing that actually was a better version of something. And yeah, maybe maybe it's saved from buyer's remorse or some kind of relational type engagement. It is true. I think the challenge for me though is even though I'm I'm certainly not the youngest guy on the planet at 45, I've got plenty of battle scars and stories. And yet it is still pretty difficult in the moment to have this kind of positive bounce of, you know what? Nine times out of ten, it it don't normally works for the best, you know. You were pretty hot, dude. I could read it in your text <laughs> messages. I'm like, yeah, oh, man. I also like that part of you. You know, it's like you've got a fiery spirit. You feel things. You run hot, and I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, let's take a minute to recognize and thank our Mit Resto Mastery sponsor, Accelerate Restoration Software. And I'm fully aware, by the way, that when I say those last two words, restoration software, that that instantly creates heartburn for some of you out there, right? Because we probably all fall into one of two camps when it comes to software. We've either cobbled together kind of a version of free website tools and spreadsheets just to make our business work, or we're in the camp where we've adopted one of these existing restoration platforms, you know, one that has all the bells and whistles and supposedly does it all but we can't get our team to consistently adopt it and input information to it. Yeah, and that's really where Accelerate has honed their focus. They've created a system that's simple, right? It's intuitive, and it focuses on the most mission-critical information, i.e., guys, your team will actually use it. Let's talk about sales, right? After years of leading sales and marketing teams, the biggest trick is getting them to consistently update notes about their interactions with referral partners and clients. And the essential piece there is there's got to be a mobile app experience. And in our experience, 
the solutions that were previously out there were just too cumbersome and, and tricky to use. Yeah. Imagine, guys, how your business would change if your entire team was actually consistently using the system. Do yourself a favor. Go check these guys out at xlrestorationsoftware.com forward slash MRM and check out the special offers they're providing to MRM listeners. All right, let's talk about actionable insights. Owners, GMs, you can't be your business's expert on all things estimating. You might have been three years ago when you were writing sheets in the field, but the industry is always changing and so are the tools. If you're the smartest person in the room when it comes to Xactimate and Matterport, how does that scale? You're the bottleneck. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but this is where actionable insights comes in. They're a technical partner that can equip your team with the latest bleeding edge information and best practices, and then update them with webinars and training resources when the game inevitably changes again. For this reason, we recommend actual insights to all of our clients. Yeah, three of the kind of big things that stuck out to me when being introduced to, to AI and their team. First off is this consistently updated training. I mean, at the end of the day, these guys are the experts. They're out front all the time. They're constantly learning new trade secrets and ensuring that your team's got access to those things. A 3,700 plus page database of Xactimate templates. I don't know what else to say here other than don't reinvent the wheel. It's already available. Download it, copy it, use it, bam database of commonly missed items. I think this is huge. So many of us can change the numbers by just moving the needle a couple points. And those commonly missed items can make all the difference in the world. So go check them out at value.getinsights.org backslash FCG. The other thing we were talking about this earlier, and I wasn't sure how all this was going to connect. You know, you and I have our notes where we kind of keep track of ideas and things we want to talk about. And I read this uh, Harvard Business Review thing about creating an open door for employees to come back, which is not necessarily what I was going to reference here, but just that how disappointing is it, right? When you have somebody good that leaves, like you talk about like yeah. sadness and frustration and letdown. And I know some people listening to this, in fact, I know because, you know, we've had, had some clients who have had that happen. You know, they've somebody they just invested in, invested in, invested in, leave to go well, make more money or something. And oh man, it's like on the one hand, you're so personally invested in them. You want them to be successful. You want them to go make more money. And oh, the loss yeah, to your business. Right. Like your business is your own too, right? And so it's like, it's almost like a part of your body was taken out when you have a key person that you cared about. And you wanted to see, you know what I mean? It's just, it is, um, it's really hard. It's really hard. And so when I, when I read this article from Harvard Business Review, and, and undoubtedly they're, they're referencing more like large companies, like creating a doorway back into your company and destigmatizing when people choose to leave for a different opportunity and all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, that's great. That's great when you have a, an organization of 5,000 or 50,000 and you can hire somebody that's in charge of like, employee alumni and like there's some cool ideas in there but when you're a company with 12 people right yeah or 6 or 20 and and it's like that's it's really hard yeah. it's really hard and and I think I think it goes back to this first point is that you can't have the pleasure or the joy of making a difference in people's life right like really moving the needle and affecting things if you're not willing every now and then to confront that, the pain of, you know, 
And sometimes it's betrayal, like somebody just betrays that, yep. you know, an investment you've made in them. And then other times it's just, it's just the sadness of, okay, they, they got a better gig. This is yeah. good for them. So I, I think it, I don't know what I'm offering here to whoever happens to listen to this, but I, I think there's no way out of that. Like the more committed we are, it, you mean? yeah, to avoid the pain yeah. of, of, of letdown, whatever kind it is, that deal that didn't happen, that business partnership that whatever, or that employee that leaves. If you're going to care, if you're going to care, if you have that give a shit, you know, about people, you are going to feel let down. You're going to go through those things. Yeah. You know what? I think you actually kind of tapped into a really interesting chain of thought here as it relates back to kind of the, the original topic is it's what we do in response, right? And I think one of the things that you had pointed out in that, in that article was to basically very proactively when that moment happens, actually already have something in place that says, hey, the door's open. Like it's not like they burnt, you know, threw a hand grenade into the room on their way out the door. That's different. That's yeah, not what we're some referring do. to here. Yeah. But it's this idea of if the individual left strong and it's just it's a sad situation because it's a letdown on this kind of picture that you had and where your business was going, what person this role this person would have in it, is that not allowing our ego to take over so that as they walk out the door, we don't then slip into this behavior that demonizes them for leaving or right. demonizes them for taking this opportunity and keeping a healthy sense of communication and a healthy door open so that maybe at some point in the future, somebody could step back into that relationship and participate in that. And I think the same rule applies to you know business relationships or partnerships or or deals where hey right now it's not the right fit so don't spin out don't lose control don't do something mm-hmm. say something or act in such a way that then actually closes the door of the story that actually still had the potential to be created and it's so hard to do in the moment and i think probably the most relatable version of this which is why i love that story that you or that article is this probably is most likely the kind of situation that we're going to feel the most with our employees, key leaders, key influencers, people on the team mm. you know, that we're investing in. That's probably the most common ground that we're going to have this type of scenario happen. And it's just like, okay, well, let's take a breather. Let's identify the portions of this thing that aren't accurate, that they were just a story that I was beginning to create or envision. Mm. And can we separate ourselves personally from this, like instead of it being a personal thing, can we just look at the data for a moment and say, okay, how do I want to respond to this rejection? How do I want to respond to this individual leaving my team or this business deal that that was a no? And do I want to respond in such a way that I'm going to still admire myself, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and can, leave the door open. Can I? Can I choose to consider that it wasn't personal? Like this other person had legitimate reasons for their choice, right? right? Yeah. That are maybe hard for me to understand, but feel just as compelling to them about like they, they feel just as good about the decision not to do this thing or to leave the company for this other opportunity as I feel sad about the choice, yeah. right? Like right. I think it's just considering that I don't have all the information and I could be wrong. Like the reaction I'm having to this could be wrong. It could be misplaced. Um, I, I was telling you, I've been watching in the mornings. My wife puts on this Franciscan monk on YouTube in the mornings. I, I wasn't sure where you were going there because you just started. <laughs> I really with, took I've a been left watching turn my wife in the morning, which I'm like, that's cool. It's good for your marriage. Yeah, but good. where are you going with this? <laughs> <laughs> this guy named Richard Rohr. 
And uh, Richard Rohr, he's a Franciscan monk and um, in New Mexico. Anyway, he was talking about addiction. He gives like these homilies, you know, he gives these talks and they're really good. But he's just got this really mellow voice and it's kind of this mellow vibe. My wife likes to set when the kids are getting ready for school and stuff because it's not usually mellow in our household. Between my 16-year-old, my 14-year-old in particular, it's like it is some level of war waging that is almost always happening. So Kara felt like, you know, at least part of the solution might be to have a Franciscan monk in the mix, you know? <laughs> and so, <laughs> and I've actually gotten kind of used to it and I enjoy it. I stand there with my coffee and I'll stand there and listen four or five minutes and then go about my business, come back and whatever. But he was talking about addiction and I thought, God, this is interesting. I don't, I wouldn't consider myself an addict in the way that we generally talk like an addiction to drugs or alcohol or something like that. But yeah. he said the universal addiction of the particularly the American mind is that we are addicted to our perspective and our way of thinking. We can get locked in and committed and loyal to the way that we see things yeah. and interpret things. Oh man, yeah. And and just how how much it it has a lot of the same outcomes of any other addiction. Yeah. In terms of the choices it causes us to make, the harm that we choose to cause toward others, all that stuff, purely because it's hard for us to step outside of our perspective and consider yeah. another perspective on this situation or this moment. Yeah. And I have experienced, like, I wish somehow I could live in that space more often yeah. where I can be more open minded and, and not have a rush to judgment or get that story going in my head. Right. But I have felt what that's like in, in a number of situations where, wow, I'm really upset about this. And I, I'm able to just kind of zoom out and create some distance between myself and that situation and think about it in a more open-minded way. And it's like, then all of a sudden you start to consider all these other reasons, possibilities, what else is at play here? And I think in that place is wisdom. Yeah. That's so applicable. That's really applicable to you know this what I mean? conversation. Yeah. It it is. It's funny because there's all these like little coin terms that everybody uses, like you know the the way forward is failure, fail quick, and all yeah. these things. And we all understand the premise behind that, like and how that makes sense. And if you're not trying right, or if you get kind of frozen because you're afraid of what the a possible failure outcome may look like, I think it's an easier understanding when we step out of that more like kind of how do I put this like. This idea of knowing something versus experiencing it, mm -hmm. right? Like fail quick because it, it'll put you on the right path and all those things. They we understand them mentally, but experiencing them doesn't always align. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. always line up and give us the motivation that we need. I think what's unique about what you're saying right now is it gives us some more proactive way to engage these kinds of situations. And it's less about getting totally pumped by failing. And it's more realistic in the sense of just take a breath. Mm. Like just pause for a moment when you have this exchange or this letdown or this breakup or whatever these things are. Give it a moment to air out and ask yourself a few questions mm. before you take any kind of action. Because normally, that knee-jerk reaction that we're all about to take often won't give us the result that we're looking for. And it removes our ability from being able to learn from a failure or, mm. or something not going the way that we want it to. And so that's what's interesting about this idea of, of this addiction to our perspective is if you can kind of buy into that idea, it allows you a little bit of freedom that, okay, if my perspective is not the all accurate 100% true, 
Okay, then that gives me the freedom to maybe learn something from this situation, to yeah. take a break, to take a step away from, to depersonalize and de-escalate it in our own head. Like maybe there's yeah. something else going on. Maybe there's a different angle on this. Yeah. Okay. So one of the other little notes I had. This is from like weeks, weeks ago. I added this in. I was listening to um, Brene Brown on her Dare to Something podcast. She has like two or three podcasts now. I don't know which one it was, but she. There's Dare to Lead, I think, or yeah, I, mean, right? I think it was Dare. To, might have been the Dare to Lead podcast, and she had Charles Duhigg on, and they were talking about habits. Charles Duhigg. He wrote the book called Tiny Habits, I think. Anyway, I. We'll have to add that show notes. I, I think forget. 100 calories in three days is... Uh, it's affecting me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But they he shared or she did, I think he did, shared a, a quote from Judd Apatow, which is one... He is one of the most successful movie directors, I think, in history. Like he wrote uh, mostly comedies, stuff like that. Seth Rogen is in his shows and like the... The Hangover. That was a Judd oh, Apatow. Oh, and he's, yeah. he's done like 50 movies or something crazy. Yeah. But this quote he said was very interesting and maybe it's a big part of his success and why people want to work with him, why he's been such a successful director. I don't know. But he made this comment, showing disrespect to someone will cause them to sacrifice themselves to destroy you. Ouch. And I'm thinking about that in the context of our conversation of just how human it is to be hurt, angry when something doesn't go our way, right? When like the story doesn't match the outcome. Yeah. Like something happens like, whoa, this wasn't how it was supposed to be. Yeah. It shouldn't be this way. Something's wrong here. This should not have happened. How we as humans naturally react. Like our gut reaction is anger, frustration, fear, sadness, whatever, all these negative things when something bad happens. And I think as leaders, knowing that about humanity, I think it just gives us that much more caution in how we... I think it's another reminder as to why it's so important for us to step outside of ourselves and to discipline ourselves to see others as humans, just like me. Yeah. And to approach, you know, separation or a failed deal or something with that kind of gentleness. Yeah. It's not something we talk a lot about with leaders. Yeah. Right. But I think there's something to that. There's a respect. I think that even even in times where there's a separation or something doesn't work out, right, is just being conscious of Am I respecting this person? You know, yeah. in this equation, am I being respectful? Because boy, I've I've seen that when it, when Judd when they said that Judd Apatow quote, I'm like, whoa. I mean that that explains a lot of the crazy stuff that happens in our businesses, yeah, right? Is for sure when people feel disrespected, all bets are off. You yeah. know, it's like you and I've had this happen with. Fortunately, not a lot, but I can think of a couple instances where. You know, I was not disrespect is a big wide umbrella, right? There's a lot yeah. of ways to disrespect people. Yeah. And I've I've certainly been guilty of that with employees and colleagues and stuff, you know, over the years. And boy, when you disrespect somebody, you can expect there's a story that's gonna form there. And yeah. it may it may create some action that is really, really unpleasant. Well, and I think it also supports this idea or or I guess gives credit to the fact that we can cycle into that. Like oh, we easily feel oh. in quotes disrespected after a whatever a, a breakup, an employee leaving, whatever the case may be. And so I think that quote or or that perspective just helps us remember there is a strong chance that if we act purely on default. We're going to end up throwing ourselves under the wheels right? of the bus too. Yeah, That's it. It's like we have a strong potential that what we say, what we do, how we behave 
is going to have some pretty negative effects on us. And, you know, it's so interesting. I, I feel like there is part of me that when we, you know, when we do our shows and we have some of these, these conversations, as diverse and as crazy as the world is, a lot of the things that we discuss, a lot of the, the principles, a lot of the, th- the opportunities that we have to unpack certain ideas and concepts, man, they kind of still come back to one or two, three threads. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's really difficult for me to detach all this from the whole ego conversation of just how many times a day, how many times a week are we just getting so swept up in these natural animalistic responses to the situations mm-hmm. that we experience and how often if you just look at the quotes the statistics these deep thinkers that are unpacking right humanity it comes back around to yeah. these default behaviors that all of us are susceptible to but the more time that we put in and invest in taking time to think through taking time to get activated in the moment instead of responding out of default. It just is a game changer, man. It's like the difference, I think, between really elite performing individuals and the masses Mm -hmm. are as I think you can point to a lot of people that are performing at an elite level and you can identify how much more often in most situations they are aware and present right then. Mm. Not worrying about what could be, what should be. They're not in the past. They're not in the future. They're not pre-worrying about what someone's going to feel about them when they go back around and say, yeah, I celebrated too early. That deal didn't go through. But they're in the moment. And by being really aware and present in the moment, they are able to deploy a whole new set of tools that give them the highest chance of having a successful outcome versus just getting sucked up and swept away of these mm-hmm. animalistic default responses. It's wild. Dude, I'm still kind of hanging on that comment about wisdom because I think all of us want wisdom. What is wisdom? Well, I think, I think wisdom, is, wisdom is considering all possibilities and hanging there long enough to be able to select the best path forward, right? Yeah. Right? So easy on paper. And it's like in wisdom though, it's almost like we have to step out of our side of ourselves to really take hold of wisdom because we are so freaking addicted to what got... I think, and I think part of it too is, is that we can become really addicted to the behaviors and choices that got us here. Yeah. We become so reliant on what helped me build my company to 2 million that... Those same, I mean, it's it's just God. There's nothing new under the sun, is there? No, right? It's I like know, it's like what got you here won't get you there, and yet it's so true. And that's wisdom. It's wisdom that gives us a different answer. Yep. It says, you know, this best practice or this mantra that we've been living and breathing to get us to two million is probably actually not going to be the thing that gets us to five or gets us to ten, right? But wisdom is able to step outside of that and. Potentially talk to other people, gather other perspectives. But wisdom is the one that says, okay, hold on, let's do a little bit of a pause break here. Let's zoom out. Yeah. It's also why a guy like William Shatner, I, I don't know, I was hearing this on a podcast, somebody referenced this. William Shatner had a chance to go up in the, uh, in Bezos's, oh, yeah, near Earth orbit or something that they did. Yeah. And he got off of the uh, ship at the end in the press conference and he was visibly like very emotional. And he said, if only the whole world, all the people of the world could have the experience I just had, we do away with all our petty bullshit disagreements. I don't know if he said that, but that was somebody's narrative on it. Yeah. It's just, 
it's important. Other astronauts and people have been known to say this that yeah. it changes their life when they're able to see just how small they are and just how just the biological sameness of it all, of us all. It's like we're all in the same big floating orb in the in the yeah. universe, you know. Yeah. And there's something about making that connection. And I think in a sort of metaphorical way, right? That's wisdom. Yeah. It's zooming out. It's interesting, and it's saying. I probably don't understand all the different facets of this situation. I'm getting all worked up about this thing right here because of what it's going to mean for me short term, money wise, or what it's going to mean for now. I got to go recruit another person. You know, it's like we're so wrapped up about a piece of this situation. We, it's hard for us to step back and see the bigger picture. And yet that's where, that's where wisdom is, you know, and, and I think we have so many examples of wise people in our culture. We did like little snippets, right? Like Warren Buffett is known for, hey, when the whole when everybody else is going crazy selling stuff off, he's buying, right? I mean, that's a common investor principle, right? Is you buy when everybody else is selling. That's where the opportunity lies. And yet the conventional wisdom is sell it off. Oh my God, it's dropping like a rock, you know? And so and but it's wisdom that steps back and says, Whoa, 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 wait, there's an opportunity inside this, you know? I think that's a perfect place to land the plane, my friend. Yeah. All right, guys. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Till next time. We'll see you. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Head, Heart, and Boots. And if you're enjoying the show, but you love this episode, please hit follow, formerly known as subscribe, write us a review, or share this episode with a friend. Share it on LinkedIn, share it via text, whatever. It all helps. Thanks for listening.